Father God, we come into your presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. We come into your presence, oh Lord God. You said where two or three are gathered in your holy name, you are in our midst. And Father God, we thank you that two, of, two or three of us have gathered, though in different locations, but we are together as one. And we are together to hear your word. We are praying, Lord Jesus Christ, let your Holy Spirit minister unto us. Oh, Lord God, give us understanding of your word, that we may know your truth, that we may know your heart. Because your word, oh Lord, is what speaks to us and speaks to our hearts and speaks to our spirit. And Father, we find answers in your word. We thank you for what you're going to do for us today and what you're going to tell us today. Through your Holy Spirit, we pray. Jehovah Shammah, you are always present and you are always our guidance and our leader. We thank you for such a day as this. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, Friday before, not this one, but the Friday before, I brought you a word and that word was called new life. New life. And I would like to bring um, things from that word today. And so um, I'll start to read. I'm going to ask our coach to read some parts for me later on. But let me read this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. I want you to put that, you know, underline that. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Um, this Friday gone, um, how I asked the question. And um, we had an explanation of that question also from our course. And we would like to go deeper into that word today. Hallelujah. So he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. That is a statement on his own. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Hallelujah. But will have light. Will have the light of life. I'm reading the NIV version. So if it's slightly different to yours, you'll know that. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Hallelujah. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. You see, the moment that Jesus Christ said this, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me, you see, it, it conjured up that those words conjured up um, a situation where the Pharisees seemed to thought, you know, seemed to think that he was trying to pull a certain sect of the people towards him by saying, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And so they questioned him and said, oh, how do we know that you are who you say you are, that you are the truth? Okay, who, how do we know? How do we know that you are telling us the truth? That whoever follows you will never walk in darkness. 
So that's what I said. The first is challenge him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Meaning that the fact that you're saying that you are the lies is not valid. Hallelujah. But Jesus answered and said, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I come from and where I'm going to. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going to. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. I want you to underline those words as well because this is, this is the, the word that we're going to have today. We're going to, I'm going to bring two different concepts and then trying to merge them together so that we will get a good understanding of what the Lord is talking about here. He says, I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sends me. In your own law, it is written that testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked, where is your father? <laughs> you do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple, in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Hallelujah. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Praise the Lord. You see, Jesus Christ was telling them that he is the light of the world. You have to understand that what he's saying. He is the light of the world. I, that's what he's saying. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. That means there is a set situation for the people that follow the law. And when I was contemplating bringing this, I began to go into it and the revelations. Then that's when I began to realize that the Holy Spirit, as he was ministering to me, that he said, if you will keep your focus on God, if you will keep your focus on God, then that is when, as he is the light, and he is leading you and you are walking in the light, then his protection is going to come upon you so that even if there is a pit that's dug in front of you, when your focus is on the Lord, though your eyes may not be in the pit and you will fall in the pit, he will cause his angels to lift you up 
and put you above the pits so that you don't fall in. Why? Because your focus is on him and upon him only. And when your focus is away from him, you are going to see that pit. You will try and jump over that pit, but you do not know that there is a pit that's after that, that is covered up. And you are going to fall in it. Why? Because you are using your own senses to judge what is in front of you. And you are not looking solely at him. Let us go to the next, the, the next section. And uh, I would like a to read this one for me. John chapter 3. Oh, sorry. Of course, it's not there today. So um, she's not, she, she cannot read today. Okay. So let me read it myself. John chapter. I'm going to read John chapter 8, starting from verse 1. John chapter 8. If you remember, on Friday, I was talking about this. It says, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts. Where all the people gathered around him? And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses command us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. A revelation that I got was that they wanted to use this as a method to stone him. They brought the stones. The stones were available. And they are the people of the law. And they practice the law to the letter. And this was also an opportunity that if he broke the law, he would be stoned. So in other words, kill two birds with one stone. Kill the woman and kill Jesus with one stone. Tie them with the same brush and kill the both of them at the same time. That was a plan and that was a purpose. And that was a trap that they set for him. Hallelujah. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman. 
still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked them, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. But what I want to tell you is that as we're going through this, you're going to notice one thing. This flesh is sin. This flesh is sin personified. You cannot, whilst you are in this flesh, you cannot come away from sin. You will be in sin. Once you are in this flesh, once we are in this flesh, there is no such thing as a person that is good. There's no such thing as a person that is perfect. But what we are is that because we have Jesus Christ, our circumstances change. Now, you see, from where we just read, um, which is verse, verse 11, we go straight to the, to, the, to the 12, which we read earlier. Hallelujah. And that's why, and that's what Jesus said to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Hallelujah. I am the light of the world. A lot of the questions that have come up suggest that um, when Jesus Christ was talking to this woman, that Jesus Christ was telling this woman, go and sin no more. But the fact remains that if this woman was to go and remain in the flesh, there was absolutely no chance of her going without sin. She was going to sing along the way. So when we read this, we have to continue to go into the verse, that verse 12, which suggests that he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. That means you can go and sin no more. How do you sin no more? By following Jesus Christ. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ said to Peter and to John and to James and to the rest of the disciples, come and follow me and become fishers of men. But he did not say the same thing to this lady. Come and follow me and become fishers of men. You cannot now change it and say that because of that reason, women are not allowed to preach. No, that's, people will turn it around and say so many different things. That's not what he means that, that he just wanted us to know something peculiar here. He wanted us to know that he's telling this woman, go and sin no more. And the question that this woman would have asked, how can I go and sin no more? But this woman, you see, 
the understanding of the word, even the disciples couldn't interpret it properly. How can this woman in, uh, misinterpret it? But you see that this woman will go and realize that this man that has saved me, if my life is to become perfect, I must give my life to him in order for me to become perfect. Without him, there is no such thing as perfection. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no such thing as perfection. So my perfection is not of me of, of, or what I am. If you were to come and say that, this is Pastor Greg. Because he's a pastor, I see him as someone who is perfect and I'm going to follow me. You will be wrong. The only person you can follow is Jesus Christ. So many people are following pastors and not Jesus Christ. We have to follow only Jesus Christ. If we are to go out of the light of Jesus Christ, then we will walk in darkness. And that's what he's saying down here. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. So, what do I do? I have to follow the light of the world. All right? And then Jesus Christ said something here. When they asked him, he says, me, I judge no one. I condemn no one. Hallelujah. So who then does the condemnation? And that's what we were talking about on Friday. The condemnation comes from we, ourselves, and from the people around us. Now, let's take a look at these words with this woman with the ish, with this woman caught in adultery. You see, the people who had come there, they had come there with one situation, with one thing, the law. And what was the law? The law says we must condemn, and therefore we are here to condemn. And the moment that they all came with the idea of condemnation. You see, the throwing of the stone was the condemnation that they were going to do. And therefore, with the condemnation making them the judge. Because the throwing of the stone automatically made them the judge. Because with the throwing of the stone, they are sentencing the woman to death. In ergo, Jesus Christ, if he had said, don't stone her, even though the law says stone her, don't stone her. If he had said that, he would have been stoned as well. And the both of them would have been stoned. Hallelujah. So the judgment, number one, the condemnation was presuming that person to be guilty. Number two, the judgment, with the condemnation, you become a judge. Automatically. So what you are doing is, you are now becoming a judge. And the moment that you become a judge, you also force everybody else into that judgmental uh, um, kind of life. Because if I am going to judge you, then you should also have the opportunity to judge me. So now I can say, okay, I stole, you can tell me, you stole 
25 hamburgers. And now I turned around and said, okay, you also stole 25 hamburgers. And so then both of us are guilty for stealing 25 hamburgers each. All right? So I don't get away with it. You don't get away with it. And both of us go into the prison. All right? Because I have judged you and you have judged me. And if all of us should judge one another, then who then can be saved? Hallelujah. Who then can be saved? Because no matter how good you think you are, there is someone out there who is always ready to judge you. No matter how perfect you think you are, there is always someone who is ready to judge you. And the judgment, there are so many judgments. Every single thing someone can, you woke up and because you don't want to hurt your child's feeling or your wife's feeling or your son's feeling or whatever, you told them a lie. That is worthy of judgment and condemnation. You don't want to help you. You don't want to be, uh, how should I say? Insult your work, your workmates. So you tell them a white lie. It's only a small white lie. Yes, but it's still a lie. So the Lord Jesus Christ is saying something here. I don't judge anybody. I myself, I judge no one. We are all saying, is the Lord Jesus Christ is going to judge you? The Lord Jesus Christ is going to judge you. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to judge you. But he's saying, I myself, I judge no one. But if I should judge, it is going to be the correct judgment. I myself, I judge no one. But if I am going to judge, you are not going to be worthy of the judgment that you are going to judge. But I am going to be worthy of the judgment that I am going to judge. How? Why are you going to be worthy, O Lord, and me? I'm not going to be worthy. Because I am going to judge you, not based upon the judgment that you think you deserve, but upon the judgment that you have placed upon somebody else. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying. You are saying you are going to judge this woman Okay, that's fine. Let us all go around judging each other. So as you are going to judge this woman, so I'm also going to judge you. So if you are without sin, you judge with this woman first. And then after you've judged her, then realize that I myself, I am also going to judge you because we have got into a situation of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And then when they said, okay, all right, and if that's the case, then I'm not going to judge her anymore. I'm going to walk away from that judgment. I'm not going to judge her anymore. So um, what am I going to? And then the Lord Jesus Christ asked the woman, has no one judged you? She said, no. He said, well, then I, I cannot judge you either. If nobody's judged you, I cannot judge you either. So you are judgment free. So when does judgment arise? 
Judgment arise when we begin to perceive everybody else is a sinner but myself. The moment that you see somebody else as a sinner, guess what? You open that door to judgment. Because you, your judgment is the throwing of the stone. And if you are going to throw a stone at someone, then someone also needs to throw a stone at you. Because you are not perfect either. Hallelujah. Come on, come with me. Hallelujah. Let us go to Romans chapter 8. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, period. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's, let's stop here. And let us begin to let's begin let's begin to assess and let's begin to analyze the situation. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But then, why do Christians go around condemning other Christians? Shouldn't that be called a sin as well? Because the Bible is telling us here that now there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Or is this word that we are reading, is it a silent word that we should not talk about? No, it's not a silent word. These are words that we should talk about. Because as Christians, we have to know the purpose for which Christ has called us unto himself, and that is not to behave as the Jews were behaving, but to love the world with one heart, with one spirit, and with one soul. That's with everything that's on the inside of you. And therefore, in order for us to do that, we must first see ourselves as people who are not worthy, but have been called to the worship of Christ. As the Lord Jesus Christ said, I have not come to condemn the world, but that through me, the whole world shall be saved. The whole world, not just a few, but the whole world. So he's saying, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirits who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Let me read that again one more time. The law of the spirit who gives life. The law of the spirit who gives life. Hallelujah. The law of the spirit who gives life. Right? This spirit, he gives life. 
and his law is, hallelujah, he has set you free from the law of sin and death. I want to, I want to make that one extremely clear because we can only do it by the reading of the word. It says, the law of the spirit who gives life. So I was without life. I was in the world. I was without life. But there is a spirit who gives life. And the way that he can give me life is by setting me free from a law which ties me to sin and death. He gives me life by doing what? Setting me free from a different law. Yeah? From a different law which ties me to sin and to death. I was tied. No, when I say tied, you know, like, like um, not nailed to the cross, but, you know, tied, tied with a, to a post or something like that. There was a law that ties me. Now, there is a different law of the spirit, a spirit that gives life. And that spirit that gives me life has untied me from this law that ties me to sin and death. Are you getting me? So once I was tied by this different law, because I am following Jesus Christ, has untied me from the law of sin and death. So therefore, that law of sin and death does not apply to me anymore. Are you following him? He says, so therefore, let me go back to number one. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay. Why? Why is there no more condemnation? Then he goes on to explain what he explained earlier. I'm sorry for repeating myself, but I'm trying to make it so clear so that you will not be able to misunderstand it anymore. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit, which gives life. This spirit has a law. And this spirit is a law. It gives life to people who were once dead. This spirit that gives life, gives life. And in order to give you life, in order to give you life, you have to do one thing. That was, what was that? And that is set you free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. The law that gives life has set me free from the law of sin and death or has untied me from the law of sin and death. The sin and death had me bound for the rest of my life. But because I follow Jesus Christ, this special spirit, which sets people free, has set me free from the law of sin and death. I hope you now understand that. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering 
So this flesh, as we're talking about, this is what he's talking about. This flesh cannot go past sin. It is weak. People will tell you about, I, I, I am so strong. I'm a, such a strong Christian that I sin. I don't sin. Maybe something that nobody sees. But in your secret place, something is going on, which is, which is uh, a sin. There are some sins that we, we don't even realize we are committing. There are sins that we don't even realize we are committing, and yet we are committing them. Let's let's take a look at. Um, let's go back to where we read on the Friday, and I'm, I'm going to make that point later on. Psalm nineteen and verse twelve. It says. But who can discern their own errors? Sometimes, and at many times, we close our eyes to our own sins. Everybody else is a sinner, but not me. Not me, not me, not me. Not my, not, not my child, not my wife, not my husband. We are not sinners, we are holy. We are, we are very good. We are very, very good people. We never sin. Everybody else sins. And we will judge everybody for their sin. But not us. We are wonderful. We are perfect. We are fabulous. So we have heard people saying that. We are fabulous. Hallelujah. But who would descend their own sin? Their own errors. So who would this, who can descend their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Hallelujah. Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sin. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May those words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in, thy, in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What a powerful, powerful word. This person certainly is not trying to hide from their mistakes. And this is what the Lord is looking for. People who do not hide and blame people for their sins, but I, I acknowledge that they themselves, they are not perfect in any way. They are not perfect. And this is what the Lord is, we are, this is what we are talking about here. You see, the, the, the word verse, verse three is saying, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Okay? The flesh is sinful. Once you, once you are in the flesh, you are sinful. And this is what I was trying to explain the other time. That the fact is, 
We are Christians, but sometimes it is not everything in our life that we have brought into Christianity. It's like we've moved into a new house, but we've left a lot of our baggage in another house. Okay? We've left a lot of our stuff in another house, and we will go to that house, and we will take one thing out and bring it to our new house. We will go and take one thing out. And the things that we don't want to bring into a new house because we think that when if this thing comes into a new house, it's going to clutter our new house. And therefore, we leave it there. And we, we don't want to bring it to your new house. This is what the Lord is talking about. This new house is the spirit. The old house is the flesh. But we've moved into the spirit, but we still keep things in the flesh. We don't want to commit those things to the law. Why? Because we, 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 we want to remain partly in the flesh and partly in the spirit. And so our, we go one foot in the flesh and we go one foot in the spirit. But the fact is, the Lord is telling us here, whatever we, whatever, when we come into him, number one, you are saved. Number two, you are going to heaven. No matter what the situation is. But whatever you do not commit to him, he is powerless to work on it. It is whatever you commit to him, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has power to work on. You have moved into his into the into the house, which is called the spirit. And everything in the house, which is called the spirit, is hunky dory. It is fine. It is going on perfect. But you still have things in the house called the flesh that you have not committed to the law. But let's just read. Okay? So, the Lord Jesus Christ condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. So, number one, you have to begin to know that even though that house called flesh has got things in it, it doesn't count anymore as sin. But the fact is, if it is bothering you, because sin does not bother God, it bothers you. It bothers you in the sense that there are so many things earthly that stops you from growing. But when whatever you surrender unto the Lord, he works on it with you to overcome those situations in your life. What you have not committed continue to be a struggle in your life. But the moment that you commit it, then the Lord gets the power to work on that particular thing. We are talking about a situation that happened on the Friday in which um, Howard, I'm sorry to use Howard and Akos uh, as like test cases for this. Where how I was saying that um, she wanted to dance to a song, 
a friend wanted to dance to a song. Sorry, it's not how I, but a friend wanted to dance to a song. A friend and uh, and they know there was a debate going on of whether the, the song was um, earthly. The, the, the song, you know, the, the song was not something that a Christian should dance to. And um, afterwards, of course, was saying that she used to be like that, but then she grew up in Christ. And this is something that you know I was talking about on the Friday. And this is this is the explanation of exactly what I was saying. As we read in uh, Psalm 119, I mean Psalm 19 and verse 12, we realize that as we become Christians, we have moved into the house of the spirit. We are no more in the world anymore. We have left the darkness and we are following the light, the light of Jesus Christ. And as we follow the light of Jesus Christ, we leave the world, the world, things of the world behind. And we draw closer and deeper onto Jesus Christ. And we keep our focus only on Jesus Christ. Because the moment that we take our focus from Jesus Christ, and we begin to navigate the floor ourselves. The Bible says that we are in darkness. And when you are in darkness, you cannot see where you are going. And when you don't see where you're going, you're going to slip and you're going to fall. Hallelujah. When I say slip and fall, I'm, I don't mean slip and fall and come out of Jesus Christ. But you are going to slip and fall and hurt yourself, even though you are still in Jesus Christ. Because we can slip and hurt ourselves even though we are still in Jesus Christ, even though we are still going to be raptured, even though we are in the Lord, we can still slip and hurt ourselves. All right? The fact is, what I was saying was, what was, what is it? Um, this what this person is saying. And I said, no. Um, was it bad? And I said, no, it's not. Because... It depends on who, what, how you're going to dance. Even if you're, if you're going to dance with your, you and your, your partner, it is what you and your partner are thinking about. It's not what somebody else is thinking about. But the fact is, what I was talking about earlier, the condemnation of the world being thrown at you. That this condemnation, if you yourself don't condemn yourself, you see, then what the Lord is, the Lord Jesus Christ was saying is, I myself, I condemn no one. It is all down to do with the condemnation. So, um, what a person now who is in Christ, whose mind is not particularly on a peculiar kind of sin that they may be in, are they subject to the same condemnation? And that's what the Lord is telling us here. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So when does the condemnation come in? The fact is, condemnation should never come in. But there is another, it's a third situation 
and that is called spiritual growth. We are all together in one place, but everyone has got their own independent spiritual growth. And that only independent spiritual growth is dependent upon our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. What I may be doing in Christ is not what my wife may be doing in Christ, what my son may be doing in Christ, what any church member may be doing in Christ. We are all at different levels of our journey with Christ. But the most important thing is the fact that we keep our eye on the Lord God rather than in the world. Are you getting me? So it does the difference because the, the fact is a person may be going to that party and they may 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 want to dance but they don't see the fact that maybe the words that they are hearing or maybe there may be some profane words in the song they are not disturbed by it so with that you have to go back into what we read earlier in that 19 Keep your servant from, keep your servant also, no, yeah. Keep your servant also from willful sins. That is the prayer. Keep your servant also from willful sins. Cleanse that me from presumptuous sins. Okay, or, but who can descend their own error? A person has gone into that party and all of a sudden there's a song playing. But there will come a time when the person is in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then for some reason, just like a cold day, all of a sudden all of that song that you're listening to, something happens and then all of a sudden they say, no, no, I don't want to listen to that song anymore. It is from one stage to the next. I don't want to listen to that, to that song anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. It is not because they willfully did not want to do that, but because they are following and their eyes are on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the discerner of their heart, their spirit, and their soul. And he is the one that is teaching them. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am going and I will send you a comforter, a teacher who will teach you of me and of the things that is to come. And so we are not walking, not after the flesh, but, but after the spirit. And therefore, as we walk after the spirit, the spirit who is a teacher begins to teach us in our own peculiar time and place. If you think that a child who is one year old or two, was it four years old is bigger than class four or bigger than class five and you drag them to class five, 
very soon they will start failing because there are so many things that they could have learned in class one, class two, class three, class four, before they reach class five that they've not learned. And so every one of us is growing at a peculiar kind of pace. As we were discussing with the, with the youth on Thursday, some youth um, will, will, will go ahead and say that, okay, this is time for me to have a tattoo. Others will say, no, I don't want to have a tattoo. Others will say, everyone is growing. So long as the main thing that we are growing in is in Christ and in the spirit of the law. So when then is the condemnation? There should be no condemnation for one another because we are all growing at our own peculiar time, at our own peculiar place, as according to the dictates of the spirits of the Lord. Hallelujah. So when we begin to say that, Those who, verse 5 of um, Romans 8, those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. And that is what actually is motivating a person who is in Christ? Are they being motivated by keeping their attention on the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are they being motivated by keeping their attention on the things of the world? There are two scenarios here. We can become Christians and we can be motivated by the things which are of this world. That is flesh. That's the flesh that we're talking about here. Or we can be motivated by things of the spirit of God. Which means walking according to the spirit. Yes, there are mistakes in me. Yes, I am not perfect. Yes, even there is lasciviousness in me. Lasciviousness is a sin that a person cannot control or break out of. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. There is lasciviousness in me, but where is my attention? Is my attention on God only, or is my attention on my brothers who do not know Christ and who are in the world? Where do I get my quote from? Do I get my quote from? the things of Christ, or do I get my quote from what the world is quoting to me? Because there is a difference. Now, let me continue. But those who live according with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. What does the spirit desire? The spirit of God, what does it desire from you? The spirit of God does not desire anything from you. The only thing that the spirit of God desires is that you will keep your eyes, your focus, your attention on the Lord God Almighty. 
That is the only desire of the, of the Spirit of God. Yeah, but yeah, he goes to church, but he is the biggest sinner that you've ever seen. Yes. But if his, if his attention is on God, always he's going to start from ground zero. But that attention span that he has on God, that desire and the love that he has for God, it's going to start, you know, building him up. It's going to start building him up until the point that where, where he, um, whatever he used to do, he will not do it. Not because he, 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 he stopped it himself, but because the Holy Spirit has winded it out of him. The Holy Spirit himself, because he is the teacher. And there is no way that you can pick up a child who is growing up and then be begin to uh, beat. Every, every time he makes a mistake, beats the living daylights out of him. If you're not careful, you'll kill the child. But you would nurture the child. There's going to there's gonna be mistakes. But you see, a good parent nurtures the child. A good parent also knows the faults of their children, and yet they find ways to correct their children so that their children will improve. And God is the biggest parent of them, the biggest mother of all, the biggest father of all. He, he, he loves you beyond what your earthly father can. And if your earthly father Will, will stand somewhere and fight for you, even they know that you're a thief. Then I'm telling you, God is beyond that. He's beyond the fight. He will fight even bigger for you, even though you're a thief. That's God. Don't say that God is not going to do that. That's what God is. He's beyond your earthly father because the instincts of your earthly father God's instincts are bigger than that. The love that your earthly father has got for you, the love that God has got for you is bigger than that. So you are going to say that, oh, I, you are a thief and therefore you are a sinner and therefore God is going to turn his eyes away. No, you're wrong. God loves you even more. And what was the, the all the stories that Jesus Christ told? What was it like? Why were the Pharisees saying, why do you always run around with sinners? That shows you the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he does not, he does not run away from sinners. But he runs around with them. And when they ask, why do you do that? It's because the perfect, they don't need saving. But the sinner, they need saving. The, the, it's the sinner that I've come to put my arms around. Not the perfect ones. I came for the sinner. Okay? So that is the love that the Lord Jesus Christ. So is the Lord Jesus Christ going to fight for his child who is a liar and a thief? Yes, he's the one that he's going to fight for rather than the child who is perfect. Hallelujah. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we serve. Whom do you know that God chose in this world that was perfect? 
to lead his people. Let's start from the beginning. Elijah was a coward. Do you remember Elijah? He was always running and hiding from, uh, what, 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 what was that, was that Jezebel? He was the biggest coward that you can see. Look at, oh, Gideon, don't talk, don't talk about Gideon. Look at where he was hiding. Talk about Moses, oh, the murderer. How about David? Oh, please. Someone asked, a pastor could say, oh, David, the peeping Tom. <laughs> the, the, the wife snatcher. Who did God use that was perfect? Who did God use that was perfect? In the Bible, none of them. None of everyone that God used had a problem. The only perfect person that's ever been on this earth is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is God himself. And what did he do? He ran around with sinners. That shows that God is more than love. And so, listen to this. Let me go back to what we were reading. It says, verse, I'll go read from verse 2 again, 8, verse 2. Because through Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So the flesh is a sin. And everything that we do not circumcise and bring to Christ will continue to lead to sin. And this is the reason why. It doesn't matter what your sin is. You have to begin to ask the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I surrender this situation of mine into your hands. He's not oblivious. And don't think that he's condemning you because of a certain situation that is in your life. No. I know there's a lot written about sin and how to stop sinning. But the fact is, the idea of sin is that there is still flesh in you if you are a Christian. It means that that particular area where there is flesh, you have to circumcise it. Circumcise it. Surrender it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Begin to tell the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, you know I am not worthy. And you know I cannot do this. But you are my Lord and my God. And you went on the cross to save me from this particular sin. I cannot overcome it. But Lord Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. And I surrender this particular area of my life unto you. I surrender it unto you. Take over and turn this situation around for my good. Hallelujah. We stand at a place where we are looking at everybody 
And, you know, we always see more than the next person does. We always see sin in somebody else's life. And it's the time that we stop seeing sin. And we start seeing the love of Jesus Christ. It is time that you stop seeing sin, but rather the love of Jesus Christ. There is no one that's going to remain the same if they remain in Jesus Christ. And therefore, every effort to keep that person in Jesus Christ without condemning them is the effort that we need to make. You know that fighting over a peculiar thing in their life for a long, 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 long time. A peculiar situation in their life for a long, long time. And you know, many times a Christian will come in and they will say something that, that is more detrimental to that person than that person's thoughts and minds over that particular thing themselves. They will come and say something that will make you feel as if you are worthless and you are never going to be a good Christian. Let me tell you something. If a Christian says they are good, then they are not Christian. There is no such thing as a good Christian. We are all practicing Christians. It means that we are all doing our best. To remain the Lord, concentrate on God, to work with the Lord, to understand the things of the Lord. And therefore, practicing, it is time that we become aware of how we speak to each other concerning the things of God. Yeah. Maybe you've gone past where they are. But the fact is, they have not reached your standard yet. Not all of us started at the same time, on the same day, on the same hour. Maybe you've learned something because someone has told you. And because someone has told you, you, you decided that, okay, that's the truth. And therefore, I am giving that thing up without actually going through the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to take that out of you. Many times when we do that, within a short time, we go back to the same thing. Maybe, maybe even a year, then we go back to the same thing because we were not taken out of it by the Holy Spirit. You keep, we keep asking ourselves, but why? I, I thought I had stopped this. I thought I had stopped. The McDonald's. But then all of a sudden, one day I'm driving past, and then all of a sudden, oh, Big Mac. And before I knew it, I was eating a Big Mac. You've not really stopped McDonald's. That willpower that you've used and forced has come to an end. And so you are back to the same old, same old. You know something? Sometimes it is when the Holy Spirit takes us out of certain circumstances. That is when we don't go back to them. And maybe a person has not yet been taken out by the Holy Spirit. 
and maybe a word that you have told them has forced them to come out. In the long term, they may end up going back. And then the same person who took them out will not go back and condemn them. And we shouldn't be doing that as Christians. We should be encouraging. We should be loving one another. Because if I don't love you as I love myself, then I'm not, I'm, I don't understand what, who my Lord is. If I don't love you as much as I love myself, then I, 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 I need to draw closer to God. I need to learn more from the Lord because the Lord does not discriminate. Let me, let me continue. Let me read. There's a couple more verses of this and then I will stop. Okay. Six. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Hallelujah. If my mind governs my flesh, if I, if I decide that there is a situation in my life that my mind is going to be the thing that I use to kill it and take it out, rather than surrendering it to the Lord Jesus Christ, I, 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 I'm going to remain in the world. I'm going to let the world take to me everything that I need to do in my life. If I allow, number two, if I allow the world to dictate what it is doing to my life and I reciprocate, it is also death. If I allow my mind not to be focused on the spirit of God, but to be focused on how I can by myself make myself perfect so that I, why are you making yourself perfect so that everybody can say that I am the best Christian when they're going is going down and look everyone will say look at that Christian man go or look at that Christian woman go and I'm doing things so that I I will fool them into thinking that I am the perfect and the best Christian. And then afterwards, I will go into my room and I'll cry and I'll cry and I'll say, why does nobody love me? Why does everybody hate me? Because I am the first one to go out there and whenever someone, no matter what the situation is, uh, I'll go down and I'll tell them, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. How's that person is not ready to receive that message so that I will, I will make myself look like a good Christian. Whereas in my secret place, I am anything else but a good Christian. That is the flesh dictating my Christianity. And that is death. But where? If I know that even if I am insane, but I am doing the things that the Lord Jesus Christ is telling me to do. You see, when that is the situation, well, that's when that's the case. It's not a pretense. It is a reality. 
Yes, you are not perfect. But with some of the things that you do without you saying anything can change the lives of people. It's not perfect. Nobody's expecting you to be a perfect Christian. Nobody's expecting you to be a perfect Christian. But let the goodness of God that is in your heart speak out. Like I said, that's where you are in Christian time. And a person who has been in Christ for a long time, there are little things that they see and little things that they do that speaks volumes about their Christian life. They don't force, they don't do anything, but you, are, you gravitate towards them because there is something about them. It is not them that speak, it's the Holy Spirit that speaks. Whenever you see them, the Holy Spirit speaks through them. And the way they act, the Holy Spirit always makes itself evident because this person, the desire in their heart is for the Spirit of God. And, the, and, the, and that Spirit that seeth what they do in secret reveals the them openly for the whole world to see. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ taught us. Hallelujah. So the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Hallelujah. I'm saying the moment that you, the moment that you said, I am born again, I love you, Lord Jesus Christ. That's when the spirit of Christ came and lived on the inside of you. So right now, the only thing that's left is that you draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. We don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be exemplary. You don't have to be over the top. Just love the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's all he's waiting for you to do. Just love him. He is the one that's in control. He is the one that's in control over your life. The moment that you said, I do, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. He, he moved into your heart. And he is in control of every situation that is in your heart. And if you will keep your eyes on him, hallelujah, if you will keep your eyes on him, I'm telling you, he's going to make a way for you where there is no way. He's going to make those crooked places straight. And the love that you share abroad in your heart will be evident of his presence in your life. May God richly bless all of you.